Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. A lot of county fairs across the country have been canceled, but thankfully, our small town Wyoming County Fair was one that still happened. We wrapped it up a couple weeks ago, and now that we're home, the trailers are unpacked, we've mostly recovered. I wanted to share some of my thoughts from that week. I had a lot of time to think. Uh, for those of you who are fair families, you know that it's a lot of sitting around at the fairgrounds punctuated by moments of extreme chaos. So I had some time to process through all of the fun things that happened. And I had some things to share with you. So here are my thoughts from a county fair. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the Trailblazers. The Mavericks, the Makers, the Homesteaders, the Modern Pioneers, and the Backyard Farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and live a more homegrown lifestyle, well, this is the place for you. This episode is brought to you by Union Wireless, who I am very proud to have as a sponsor this month. Union is a small town company that began over a century ago when one man recognized the need for Wyoming folks to have dependable communication and decided to do something about it. Sounds like my type of person. Ever since, Union has been providing both rural and city folks alike with landline, cell phone, and internet options. I adore salt of the earth companies like this. And while I know that not all of you listening live out west, if you are in Wyoming, Northwest Colorado, Utah, or Montana, I highly recommend checking out their website at unionwireless.com to see if they are available in your area. Fair is just special, and if you've never participated in a county fair, um, it's hard to really un- to explain, I guess, or to help folks understand how cool it is. But um, fair is something I've always wanted to be a part of. We did not have livestock growing up. It was something that I just wanted so bad I could hardly stand it. I did get my first horse when I was 14 and I was able to do horse 4-H, but that's still a little bit separate from actual fair. So I never got to have an animal at the fair as a child. And honestly, from the time I was very small, it drove me nuts. (laughs) Like we would go to fair every year and walk around and go into the barns. And I was so stinking jealous of all the kids who had a goat or a sheep or a steer there. And I just wanted to be a part of that so, so badly. So uh, naturally, as our kids have gotten older, we knew that that was something that we wanted to be a part of. And honestly, in our area, that's a thing. It's a big thing. And maybe where you live, that's not a thing. But here, a lot of rural families and even not rural families participate in a local county fair. And um, Mesa, my oldest, this is her second year. She just completed her second fair. And we did goats last year, and this year she transitioned over to a steer, and it's just special. You know, uh, it's not quite a full week. We were there from Tuesday till Sunday, so it's a long haul. <laughs> we stay in our horse trailer. It has uh, living quarters, and, you know, you have to keep the animal there at the fairgrounds, and there's shows, and there's activities, and you have to take care of them while you're there, and it's just a cool time. It's just it's just unique. So, um. I, I think a lot as you guys, <laughs> that sounds weird to say it like that. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts. That's why I have a podcast, but I was sitting in the horse trailer. Uh, there was a lot of downtime last week. You know, there wasn't a ton of constant movement. We had a show and we had a sale and there was things to do, but I had a lot of downtime. So I just was making a lot of observations and talking to a lot of people. And 
just interesting. Just a lot of the things that we picked up last week, some of the lessons that Mesa learned, some of the lessons that Christian and I learned, lots of good stuff. So I wanted to share a few of those today. Uh, I guess the first thing I wanted to talk through, because you guys know, sometimes this podcast is just a way for me to process things just as much as it is to share inspiration with you guys. Maybe sometimes you're inspired by the things I share. Maybe sometimes you're (laughs) scratching your head. I don't know, but sometimes it helps me to just talk things out. Uh, I had a lot of folks come, not a lot, a handful, friends and such, you know, when they saw us at fair or in the middle of getting ready for fair and they saw how kind of crazy it was, you have a lot of things to pack and prepare. They're like, why are you doing this? This is a lot of work. And it is a lot of work. Um, and I thought through that question quite a bit because, you know, Christian and I have a lot going on. We have businesses and um, cattle and the garden and we're building a greenhouse and there's plenty of things to do at home. So why do we go to all this trouble to pack up our lives and go live at the fairgrounds for a week with our kid and her steer? Cause I, I get it from the outside. That seems a little bit ridiculous. Um, but I really believe in the 4-H program. And I know a lot of you have either been in 4-H at some point or you have children in 4-H and I know you get it. It's a unique program And I know in some more urban areas, it's not prevalent anymore. Maybe it never was, but it's just something I don't feel like you get a lot of opportunity to experience this sort of dynamic in a program these days in other places. So 4-H, especially the livestock projects, man, they do such an amazing job of teaching kids that consistency and just that daily discipline of showing up and doing the work. And of course, other things can do that. But 4-H does an excellent job of that. Um, We're not necessarily a sports family. Nothing wrong with sports. It's just not our jam. Mesa might do some a little bit of sports this winter. We don't know yet. But uh, for us, this, these projects are a great way just to teach our kids those life lessons. Um, They get a little competition in there. I think putting kids in situations where they are asked to step up and rise to the occasion can be really good for them sometimes. And uh, that's part of the reason we've chosen 4-H for our family. I explained in a, in a past episode, it wasn't that long ago, I shared some of my thoughts about homeschooling, but I explained there that we don't really live a child centered life. And I explained in that episode that we really have always had this philosophy of the children fitting into what we're doing, rather us crafting our entire existence around our children, because we want them to have the stability of knowing that they're part of a bigger uh, picture, right? It's not all about them all the time. I feel like that makes kids that are uncertain when they feel like that the world revolves around them. So that's part of Christian and I's philosophy. And we do that a lot, right? With a lot of the things we do, our kids are just expected to come along for a ride, which they honestly love. But when it comes to this 4-H, it's one of the areas where we have chosen to willingly put our life on hold for a week and invest the time and invest some resources into giving the kids this experience. We've really chosen to go all in. And it's for us, it's worth it. It's, it's fun for the kids. It's fun for us. And I really like the lessons that I'm seeing Mesa pick up on. Uh, Bridger, my second born, he will be in 4-H next year. So next year we'll have two kids (laughs) doing it, which will be crazy. But um, up till now, we've only had the one. But anyway, one of the biggest lessons 
that I love from these sort of activities is it teaches you that you don't always win, right? And I will tell you right now, that stings a little bit, especially for parents, right? I'm competitive. Christian's competitive. We like to do things well. We like to be proficient. Um, And, you know, Mesa wanted to win. We wanted her to win. And she didn't win this year. She did. Well, she did well with her horse. She actually got a buckle with her horse, but uh, she really had her sights set on her steer project. She's been working with her steer since uh, November of 2019. So it's a steer projects are very long. You have them, you pick them up uh, after weaning time in the fall, and then you keep them all the way through to the following summer and you work them very consistently. And she really had her sights set on doing well with her steer this year. And by my definition, she did do well with her steer. She showed up and did the work. She was out there twice a day washing him. I, we realized this year, we, and some of you experienced steer parents will laugh at this, but we didn't know, uh, the hair, right? Steer is steer projects are all about the hair. You want to have lots of hair. And, uh, which was weird to me because I'm a horse person and with horses, you don't want them to have hair. So it's backwards, but you wash the steer or the heifer, uh, you know, twice a day and keep them as cool as possible to keep that hair really thick and soft. And so she was out there washing that steer, tying that steer up, working with him, getting him halter broke, practicing with her show stick, putting product. Steer has more stinking hair product than I do. I am not even joking. It has a cabinet full of sprays and stuff. So she was really, really excited to do well with her steer. So by my definition, she did. The steer accomplished what I wanted him to accomplish for her. It taught her how to get up. She was often up before I was. She set her own alarm was out washing him while it was cool. She would be out there right before bed, washing him when it cooled down in the evening. I loved the changes that steer prompted in her this year to really be disciplined and to really be committed. But because it's our first year and there are things we just didn't know, she didn't play so well with him. It really wasn't her fault necessarily. Some of it was Christian and I still just not understanding how to help her feed him appropriately and do little tricks. Um, But she didn't win her classes. And she was disappointed, right? And it stings when you're the parent, when your kid doesn't win. We all want our kids to win. Of course we do. Um, So Christian and I talked through that quite a bit. And he said something that I thought was interesting. He's like, you know, I'm kind of glad she just didn't go in and sweep it all up this year. I'm glad that she experienced a fail. And some of you get offended when I say the word fail, because I get emails about it. You're like, oh, it's not a failure. And I'm like, and when you went, when I, when I say failure, I'm not, I don't have a bad association with the word failure. It has a lot of different connotations in our society. And when I think of failure and I say the word failure, it's actually not a negative to me because failure is a building block on the way to mastery and success. So when I say failure, I get a warm, fuzzy feeling when I say it. So some of you get confused about that. And that's why you you send me emails. Um, But he's like, I'm glad she experienced this quote unquote failure because we, we want her to learn that you don't always win and sometimes you do your best and it's not quite enough, but that is the motivation you need to keep on pushing forward later. And so I don't know how she'll do next year. I know that uh, we have learned a ton. We had a friend come in after, after fair and gave us a lot of tips on how to do better next year. So I know we have a strategy and a plan and how to, an idea of how to fix the things we didn't do well this this past year. And I don't know if that means she'll do better 
in her placings and her awards next year. Maybe she will, maybe she won't, but that's not what it's about, right? And we hear that all the time. It's not about the winning. It's about having fun. Um, yeah, but, it, but really, it's to me, it's about what lessons is my child getting throughout this process? And as much as I wanted her to win the buckle and the banner and the awards and the ribbons, it's okay, right? Um, that's a, a big grown-up life lesson. Resiliency, <laughs> getting knocked down and getting back up and trying again. And I really, really like that about FAIR and 4-H and livestock in general. Another thing I love about this dynamic with, with FAIR was it really teaches independence. Um, and that's something that obviously I'm a fan of. You've seen my pictures of my kids walking out in the pasture with a sack lunch uh, or doing things on their own. We have been working on renovating that old farmhouse that we recently bought. And the kids have been playing a huge role in that, not by force. Like they want to help. And we've been letting our kids use tools Bridger, my seven-year-old, has been using a drill and a crowbar and a hammer. And Mesa has been using a big old crowbar. And Sage is over there, you know, grabbing pieces of sheetrock and dragging them out. And I know I'm actually posting that video on YouTube today. By the time you listen to this, it'll be up. Um, but I know when I was editing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get some people yelling at me because my kid's using a hammer and I'm letting them use uh, sharp objects, right? But I believe in fostering that independence and as much as the mom side of me wants to go in there and micromanage them and say, oh, you can't use the hammer because it has a sharp piece and you can't do this because you might hit your finger and oh, you might, you might hurt yourself with a crowbar. Like I'm obviously weighing the risks of this situation and it's minimal risk. And I'm making sure they know how to use the tools as properly as they can. But I love giving my kids those pieces of independence and letting them think for themselves and making decisions. And sometimes their decisions are wrong, but they get to reap that. And I feel like that is such, so much more of a powerful and impactful lesson for adults too, right? We can micromanage someone, we can force them into doing the right quote unquote choice, or we can help guide them along the path so they make it on their own. And when someone opts into a good choice on their own, it's so much more sticky for them. It sticks with them. And it's not just something that they accidentally did. They know, they understand why they got there. And so FAIR was fantastic for independence. And I'll be honest, sometimes in my recovering perfectionistic nature, I struggle. Um, you know, I want to go in there and be like, oh, let me see, you're, you're using the hose wrong. Let me help you. Let me fix it for you. But I'm like, no, I, I catch myself constantly. And I guess I'm learning as much from this as she is. Uh, I have to let her make those mistakes, whether it's holding the hose wrong or spraying herself in the face or, um, you know, I'm obviously watching to make sure she's not going to get seriously injured or the steer is not going to run down the highway um, or he's going to die from being fed the wrong grain. Obviously, we're watching all of those variables, but on the little things, it's good to let them figure it out. And man, I was so proud of her during fair. Um, we, it's a small town fair. And so it's very, a very safe premises. And she, you know, my kids can basically run the fairgrounds. There's a packs of kids that run the fairgrounds, uh, run, run, run through the fairgrounds rather. And you don't have to really worry about it. Um, and just letting them go, lengthening out the, uh, <laughs> the leashes a little bit and letting them go explore and do their thing and make decisions. And Mesa would get up and be out of the trailer before I was each morning. I'd be still cleaning up and making breakfast and she'd be out there 
um, watering her steer and feeding her steer and moving him over to the tie barn. And sometimes those water buckets are real heavy and she had to carry grain from our trailer all the way over to where her steer was, which was a long walk. And I let her do it. I didn't go in there and rescue her from that. I let her figure out how to do it. And sometimes she did it by herself. Sometimes she recruited a friend to help her pack this bucket over there. Um, but those independent pieces are so crucial. You know, and we, we hear everybody complaining these days about the generations, the modern generations of young adults who don't know how to do things or aren't independent or are still living in their parents' basements, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, what if instead of complaining about that, we start taking the initiative with the kids in our lives and encouraging and fostering those independent pieces? Man, I'm just so passionate about that. Uh, I love, I just read this book. Um, I can't remember who it's by. I'll put it in the show notes. It's called Free Range Kids, I believe. I think her name's Leanne and she has a weird last name that I can't pronounce, but she is a big proponent. I think she's one of the original free range parent advocates. She would let her kids, you know, they live in, they lived in town. So they would ride their bike down to the store, or ride their bike alone to the park. And she actually got in trouble with, um, people would call the cops on her because she was letting her kids ride their bikes down to the park. But her book was really interesting because she gave a lot of statistics of things are actually a lot safer than we've been led to believe. Um, and we, and kind of this mentality of how as a culture, we get so hyper-focused on putting our kids in a padded box all the time that we actually do that to their detriment. So it's a really good book. I'll put the, the whole title in the show notes if you want to check it out and put a link for it. But that book really inspired me. And obviously we don't live in town, so I can't let my kids ride their bikes to the convenience store to get a candy bar, but I can do a lot of other things. Um, and it's so rewarding to me to see the kids really blossom and lean into that. It's just the best feeling ever as a parent. Okay. One of the other things I love about 4-H, and this is something that I think Christian and I are continuing to help foster, but it's giving us an opportunity to do so, is it's teaching curiosity. You know, I feel like that is one of the most important, if you boil everything down uh, to to character traits that make successful, well-adjusted adults, I feel like curiosity is a big one. And do you know how many adults I run into that just don't have curiosity? They just aren't aware of their surroundings and they don't care about what's going around them. Or you put them in a different situation and they're just like, meh, like completely checked out. And it bugs me. It bugs me because curiosity, and when you start paying attention to your surroundings and you're able to correlate something new to something you already know and make those connections, that's when things get really, really exciting. Uh, and I want my kids to have that because I don't want them to grow up to, to be an adult who's just dull. They're just, ugh. they're not fun to be around. You know, adults that are like that aren't fun to be around. Um, they, they don't progress through their life as smoothly. It just makes me sad. So anyway, 4-H and county fair is a great way to prompt that curiosity. And so we did, we did that a lot with Mesa, especially these past couple weeks by, um, pointing out, you know, lots of different things going on at county fair, whether it's different animals or different projects or different people teaching different things and really helping her focus in. And honestly, a 10 year old by default, not a lot of them aren't, uh, very great at always paying attention to detail. So you have to, to, to encourage that and kind of foster that a little bit, but it's 
just putting yourself and your child in those situations where they have an opportunity to do so. And so um, we had a couple different people who very graciously helped us with the steer because Christian and I don't know how to do show steers. And, you know, as they were showing us different tricks and teaching us how to brush better and blow dry better, because yes, they have a blow dryer for the steer. If you've never seen this before, it is a thing. It is a total thing. And teaching us how to hold the, the halter better. You know, I was modeling for Mesa. I was asking questions. I was being curious. And then I would also prompt her to be the same. And I started, I saw her starting to pick up on that um, more and more. And again, she's only 10. So there are still times when like she reaches her threshold of like, I can't handle any more information and she checks out, but I'm starting to see strides in the right direction. Even um, this past weekend, we had a horsemanship clinic here at our property and I saw her asking more questions of the clinician than she did in the past. Instead of just kind of standing there with a blank look on her face, she, she was asking a little bit more, a little more engaged. And I just really want to foster that. Uh, and you don't have to have a fair to do that. You can do that in any parts of your life, whether, you know, you walk outside and you're engaging your children in nature and the world around them and asking questions and talking about things. And I wonder why this is this way. And I wonder why this is this way. And if you don't know, go figure it out, go research it, model that for them as well. But that just stuff makes me super excited. And the other thing, kind of wrapping this all up, I, I would say one of the biggest revelations that fair gave me in relation to children and coaching children and parenting. Um, this is, I saw a lot of adults struggle with this at fair and it kind of took me back. And so I, I spent a lot of time kind of journaling through this and talking to Christian about this. So here's, here's kind of the backstory. When we first announced to, you know, friends and acquaintances that we were doing the steer project instead of goats, we did goats last year. We did steer this year. There kind of a lot of the commentary that we received back was along the lines of, well, I don't know why you'd want to do that. The steer project's rigged. You have to have the right last name in order to win in that project. It's all about your pedigree, your family pedigree with steers, or that's too hard. That's too complicated. And I was hearing this coming from adults and it really took me back. And I just, it made me I didn't, I didn't like it. It just made me uncomfortable because I don't, it was, I felt like there was a lot of stories that I don't believe, not in relation to county fair and not in relation to other parts of my life. And it reminded me a lot of the stories that I hear people tell me when they're telling me why they can't pursue their dreams, why they can't start the business they've always imagined they would have, why they can't homestead. Are you seeing this correlation, my friend? There's the same sort of roadblock, right? Um, and so I picked up on that. And I just, I don't know, I just don't buy into that belief. And here's the deal. I watched, you know, I didn't know what we were getting into with the steers. We never done it before. I watched the people who won their classes. You know why they won their classes? They had better animals than everyone else. <laughs> I don't believe for a second it was because they had a certain last name or a certain family legacy. Uh, the judge was brought in from a different area. She was not from our local area. So she technically, I suppose they could have paid off the judge secretly. Uh, but I really do not believe that was happening. But if you looked at their animals, they were better animals. And it reminded me of the thing we've talked about so many times 
on this podcast, right? Human nature, this idea of crabs in the bucket, right? When some, when a crab or a human starts to get out of this bucket, the other crabs, AKA humans, pull them back down. And I really, really dislike this attitude that scoffs and tears down success. Now, I know that sometimes in events and shows and competitions, things can go wrong and things can be not fair or maybe biased. Does that happen sometimes? Absolutely. But I would say that probably, if I had to guess, most of the time, much of the time, the people that win, maybe they just actually put in a little more time, a little more energy, a little more investment than other people. And I don't like the attitude from adults or children that just because someone wins, they must have cheated to get that way. That's a, in my opinion, that's a low way of thinking. That's a way of thinking that's not going to help you succeed or get to where you want to go. So Mason and I had a really long talk about this, which is another reason I love FAIR. It gives all these opportunities for these object lessons to come out. Um, and one night Mesa got in to the trailer and she, I could, she was kind of parroting back what she had heard some of the other kids and parents say. And she said, well, you know, so-and-so won today because, um, they have these super fancy steers and I, and they, you know, someone else does all the work for them. And I was like, whoa, 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 stop. I was like, where did you hear that? And she told me, and I'm like, I was like, you know, we don't, we don't think like that. And we don't talk like that. Um, you know, we, we don't pick on people just because they won or just because they're successful. And again, I know corruption can happen, but it really was not the situation here. And I explained to her that, um, those people did well because they had better animals and they had put in more work and more time and more investment. And that someday we might be those people who have put in more work and more time and more investment. And maybe we might win someday, maybe not, I don't know. But I just explained to her that when we start to tear down someone who's done well, it really handicaps and hamstrings ourselves. So it was a great, it was a great talk, but that was a big takeaway for me. Um, man, that, that human mentality shows up so much. So I guess to kind of bring it full circle to homesteading, what stories are you telling yourself right now that might be holding you back from reaching your homestead milestones, or maybe just getting the homestead or starting the thing or getting the cow or building the garden or starting the business? What, what are you telling yourself? What stories are you subconsciously believing that aren't necessarily based in fact, but there's something you tell yourself that gives you a little bit of an out to not have to chase the dream, put in the work and do the thing. And maybe that's a little bit of a, an ouch. Maybe I'm, I'm pushing you a little bit today, but I just want, I just feel like I need to uh, just put it out there. I feel like someone needs to hear that today. And I, I've done it myself, right? I've totally done that myself in the past. It's an easy trap to fall into. But when you identify those stories and pull them out and shift that mindset, you put yourself back in power and it's a really good thing. Uh, but all in all, it was just a really good week. I, I was trying to tell my my mom and my sister, they they weren't here. They don't live here. They live in Idaho. And so they were wanting to know how it went. And I'm like, you know, it's just a special dynamic. And I, I talking to several of the other fair moms, there's just, they, they totally agree. They're like, this is just a special week. The smells, the environment, um, the shared camaraderie of early mornings and late nights and getting the animals ready and then saying goodbye on sale night. It's just special and it's unique. Um, 
was really pleasantly surprised on the night of the sale. So for those of you who aren't familiar with how this works, uh, a child will raise this animal. These are market animals, right? These are livestock. They're not pets. So they raise the animal and many of the children will sell them at the end of fair. And people will come from the community, businesses or individuals, and support these 4-H kids by purchasing these animals. And a lot of the times the animals go for far above market price. So it's, it's just really cool how people in the community show up. And we didn't know how this year was going to look with COVID um, and everything being weird, but there was such a great turnout on sale night. And, you know, I was standing there. It was a Friday night. It was late. The sale went forever. We had the sale outside so we could have a little fre more fresh air and more social distancing. Um, and you could hear the auctioneer and the animals were walking around and there was this big throng of people bidding on animals and supporting the kids. And I'm like, this is just special. Um, this is really something that you don't get to see a lot. It's wholesome. Um, it's, it's based around helping these rural kids put money in the bank for college or whatever they're doing in the future. And it just made me really, really proud to be a part of that sort of dynamic and that sort of community. So it was, it was special. And also I have to tell you, this is not related whatsoever, but Christian won the pig wrestling competition, which was a pretty big deal. <laughs> um, on the last night of fair, there is a pig wrestling. It's a ticketed event. You have to pay to come. And all these teams, kids teams and adult teams, um, they, they build this circle of panels in the middle of the rodeo arena and they fill it full of the slimiest mud and water you can ever imagine. And there's teams of four. So, you, so Christian had three friends with him and the teams have to go in there and pick up the pig in the mud and put it into a barrel. And it's a race to see who can do it the quickest. And so Christian has never done it before. None of his friends had done it, but just on a whim, they decided to enter the pig wrestling and who would have thought they won. Uh, so that was kind of fun. And it was again, pretty cool. Small town Saturday night. The grandstands are full of people cheering for pig wrestling. I'm like, it just doesn't get more small town America than that. And I love it. Anyway, all in all, I'm staring down the barrel, basically, of being a fair, a fair parent for the next 10 plus years. We're in it for the long haul, and I'm proud to be a part of that. And I encourage you, if you have a fair in your area, go out and support it. Whether it's buying an animal at the livestock sale, or just going out and walking around and looking at the exhibits, or um, having your kids be a part of a 4-H program, it's a good thing. And I think it's one of those old-fashioned, on-purpose choices that has a whole lot of value in a modern world. And that is all for my episode today. Sort of homestead-related, sort of not, but, you know, just thought it would be fun to share some of my observations from our fair. And if you didn't get to have a fair this year, I'm so sorry. I know there was a lot of disappointment across the country as kids had prepared their animals and never got to show them. So I'm hoping that next year or and beyond that we can get back to a normal fair schedule for the rest of the country. Uh, there's a lot of value in this program. Thanks for listening, my friends. If you don't mind, I would be so honored if you could take a minute to leave a quick rating or review over on your favorite podcast player. Every single one of those just helps more people to find the podcast. And yes, I read every single one. Take care and we will catch up again on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.